Welcome to episode six of the Thought Police. You're Matt Kelly. I am. I'm Mike Graham. Uh, it's been a big weekend down at Glastonbury. Uh, Boris Johnson is still thinking of becoming the first uh, prime minister in a, in a while to not be married. Yes. Uh, we won't talk about his girlfriend because that's all kind of gone away. Although we could talk about the big story this week, which was his uh, predilection for making cardboard buses. Uh, do you believe that? No. Absolutely not. Do you know what? I think it's so <laughs> mad that I'm starting to come well, around to maybe it's true. Funnily enough, I thought, is that really the sort of thing you would make up on the hoof yeah. if you were actually asked a question that you didn't fancy answering? Yeah. And it's so complicated. The only thing that makes me think it's slightly manufactured is that he said, apparently a few years ago, to somebody else that he did he did have a hobby of making these boxes into things, right? right? But the boxes were not wine boxes, they were cheese boxes. Okay. Um, but which maybe apparently just moved genres. Well, possibly so. Also, you can tell he's posh, right? Because yeah. nobody that I know yeah. buys their wine in two litres, two two bottle sizes no. in a in a case. I've never made had of wood threshers ever. No, you can't get it down at the local Lidl's either, no. by the way. But you know, but you can buy those things if you go into yeah. somewhere like I don't know. Well, like the sharper image catalogs. I mean, you send right. somebody two bottles or of port. Berry Brothers. Or yeah, it comes like in. It yeah. comes in a nice yeah. little uh, yeah. wooden box with right. a slide and a, and a rope handle. I right. mean, I have seen them. And a, and but a the idea that he's got passengers. so many of these, yeah. right, that he could now make them into several buses, yeah, is quite extraordinary. I thought Simon McCoy was brilliant. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I wonder what he writes on the side of them. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, there was a lot of jokes going around about yeah. all of that, but I mean. He still, I mean, he still seems to me to be pretty unassailable. All the things that they're throwing at him don't seem to have anything. At all. I mean, David Lammy, your mate, was having a go at him about the yeah. uh, uh, the, f- the former, um, you know, various bits of uh, recordings that he was putting out for yes. us. He've, we've now had the, you know, calling the French turds, which will actually think, help him. Yeah, but what do you think about that? But, I mean, all right, Boris Johnson calling the French turds yeah. is, like, par for the course. Yeah. But the BBC pulling it out of the documentary. Well, I mean, the trouble now is... I Trump, thought that was well, astonishing. Well, I was quite surprised at that, and I felt a bit sorry for the BBC on this occasion, because, of course, normally speaking... Um, the BBC are getting into, into trouble for being too hard on Boris Johnson. Right. Now they're getting into trouble for not being hard enough on him. But I'm wondering as well whether or not actually it ever happened because the story is now being reported that Boris doesn't remember saying that. Right. Nobody else remembers him saying it. Theresa May was asked if she remembered him saying it and she didn't say anything. Right. So maybe it's not a true story. It wasn't turds he called them. It was... Mad. <laughs> Mad. But I don't know. So, I mean, the trouble is because until... Yeah. And unless you hear the, the, the transcripts and, and all the recording of the incident at, in Camberwell, yeah. until you hear the original quote, you, you don't know if it's true. No. That's the trouble. We, we, do know a lo- we do know a lot about him. That would suggest that he's, you know, that kind of stuff wouldn't be anomalous. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd said yeah. it. But equally, that will not lose him any votes. No, because I mean, all that's priced in. Yeah, who, but also who in, in the Tory party wouldn't want to call the French turds? I yeah. mean, that's what you'd expect them to do, isn't it? I suppose so. Yeah. So I don't know. And Jeremy Hunt just seems to get more and more kind of, you know, in, in oh. 
imp- unimportant as I time sort of goes on. I lost the will to live with him when he tweeted that photo of him eating a pizza. Did oh, I didn't see that? see that, no. Oh, my God. I mean, it was like he, had, he was watching telly on a sofa in jeans, eating pizza out of a cardboard delivery box, fo- folded up, and oh, it was God. like, on Twitter, was like, like, this, this is like, a man who has clearly never eaten a pizza right, before. Right, yeah. or, or, indeed, was, or indeed ordered one. But why do they bother? I mean, at least with Boris Johnson, yeah. you know, if that's, you know, he doesn't care, no. does he? You know, he doesn't care about revealing his no. true self. But when he did his interview with Ross Kempstall from Talk Radio, and he asked yeah. him specifically, yeah. because we were doing it for Talk Sport as well, what was the last sporting event you went to? He actually couldn't remember. Yeah. And he didn't make one up. He didn't suddenly yeah. do the David Cameron, oh, I'm a big Aston Villa fan. Yeah. But I sometimes get confused with West Ham because they wear the same colours. Or Tony Blair, you know, who claimed that he saw, who was it, Jackie Milburn play um, yes. when he was That's up right. in Newcastle. And everybody went, well, I didn't manage that. You know, you've got a fucking time machine. <laughs> you know. And politicians should do two things. They should not do two things. should not tell jokes. Yeah. And they shouldn't follow football and definitely shouldn't try and play football when they visit the school that's true always as well. look like wankers yeah. well do you remember that Boris Johnson was it Alistair Campbell that he tackled that time with the rugby tackle that's right <laughs> 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 played some game he was lucky he was lucky I mean Campbell's a big fella you know Campbell I'm sure has and no uh, lover of Boris Johnson has loomed over one or two people in this time <laughs> no question has he not I mean no question he's a funny character Campbell though. I mean you, you work with him more yes. closely than I have yes. I mean I, I don't work with him but I've had him on the show a few times and I always enjoy having him on and he's one of those people that really sort of winds people up and people yeah. go, how can you have that traitorous Campbell on? Mm. And, you know, he's a real pro, though, I've got to say, and, and a fantastic sort of orator yeah. and a brilliant man to work with because he doesn't care what you say to him. I can say anything to Campbell and he won't take offence. I, I mean, he's editor-at-large of the New European, so I, I have, like, maybe a dozen interactions with him on email or text right. every week. Yeah. He is, has never been anything other than decent and constructive. Yeah. And and he is a decent guy, you know. I mean, there's no question mm. that he is a, a decent fella. People decent will, will bang you up man. on that, though. People will listen to this and yeah. go, how can you call him a decent yeah. man? He took well, us into a rack yeah. and all this, and, sexed and, up the dossier. Yeah. But that's the common kind yeah. of thread, isn't it? Well, also, I, I would say people can change. You yeah. know? And I, I don't, you know, I had interactions with, with Alistair when I was on the features desk of the Daily Mirror. Yeah. And they weren't always as pleasant as they are now. He wasn't but a very nice then, man when he was in Downing Street. No, I, I think there are that. a lot of people who, who he brutalised. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's made a lot of enemies. You yeah, know? I mean, I I remember, um, and it wasn't necessarily him, but it was certainly Mandelson and his crowd when there was a story doing the rounds at the Sunday Express, and it was when Simon Walters was there, Peter Oborn was there, uh, Ian Walker was there. These guys that I've known for a long time. Yeah, and I think Amanda Patel was the editor. Um, and basically Manson was on the phone to everyone saying I'm going to fucking have you yeah. and I'm going to have your fucking jobs and you're never going to work again and yeah. all this all about yeah. because they wanted to write a story about his Brazilian boyfriend who they discovered who was in Tokyo for some yeah. reason and he was going to see him yeah. and he was absolutely fiercely kind of uh, defensive about his private life sinister, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, you know people forget the whole new Labour kind of project yeah. was, was full of people like that it was it wasn't and, very pleasant I mean he, uh, the thing I would say about Alistair is that he is 100% sincere this you know when people say that there was some sort of you know pro-Bush conspiracy yeah. you know to get us into Iraq right. I don't actually believe that because mm. um, I think that he there's a there's a fabulous clip on uh, YouTube way back when, and he won't thank me for bringing this up, but it's on an Andrew Marr interview. And if you're interested in the politics of that time, mm. it's well worth yeah. digging out. And Alistair starts having a, you know, looks like he's having a breakdown right. in the interview. Uh-huh. And Andrew Marr keeps pushing him, saying, you know, you lied, didn't you? Tony Blair lied, right. didn't you? You know, this is a... This a, is post... 
the post, invasion, presumably. It's, I think it's around the time of the inquiry. Okay. And Campbell is in a, in a bad place. You can mm. see he's stunned yeah. and, and gets really emotional about it. And I think he... A guy like that, who I've come to know a little bit, yeah. who I believe is sincere yeah. and a decent guy, I don't think he could walk about in the street himself mm. if he thought that he was guilty of some of the things no. people say he is. No. So to me, in a sort of roundabout way, that demonstrates yeah. to me that... He, I mean, I, he always has go to, back to, I always go back to um, the whole Tony Blair kind of quote of the time, which was the world changed on September the 11th, yeah. which is very true. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember um, I was going through the midst of a divorce at the time of September the 11th, and I mean, without wishing to make too much of it and, and make it all about me... Uh, I was sitting at home in Wiltshire, having taken a week off to try and fix my marriage, right? Yeah. And I'm watching. I got a phone call from him. It was in those days when I didn't. Even, I had channel. I had five channels on my TV. That was it. There was no smart TV. No, I didn't have Sky. I didn't have anything. And I got a phone call from this guy Nigel Whisker. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who used to run Good the from room. Good lad, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, somewhere like that, yeah. yeah. And um, up north somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all, they're all the same. Where I'm from. Well, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. And um, he goes, "You better put the TV on." And I, I put the TV on. I was like, "What the fucking Emmerdale's? You, you know, what do you mean?" And uh, <laughs> he said, "Did they carry on with Emmerdale?" <laughs> yeah, I haven't changed it. And um, he said, "There's a plane flown into the World Trade Center." I went, yeah. "Christ, you know." And so eventually, of course, I had to go pick my kids up from school. Went and did that. Came back. By which time, BBC was now running. You know, like twenty-four hour news. Yeah. And of course, um, I'm watching it. And as the first, the first tower came down. You know, all I could think of was that's where I. Um, uh, proposed marriage to really, the woman at the top of the town to leave in Jeez. the windows on the world. Right, God. And yeah. I thought, if that's not a symbol for this marriage right. being over, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah. And that was the end of that. Incredible. I remember that day like it was yesterday. Yeah. I was on the back bench of the Daily Mirror. Yeah. And I remember the, the plane going in, and I'd just come back from a trip to New York right. with my fiance. Then and, and, and for those who've never seen them up, apart yeah. from in a film, they were the dominant oh. landscape. So I've got a great photo of me and Nadia stood on the Empire State Building. Right. And the looking World Trade Centre was miles away, but yeah. looking downtown towards Battery right. Park, and all you can see is the World Trade yeah. Centre towers. So they yeah. were, as you say, they were completely dominant. But I, so I, because we'd gone up the Empire State Building, I had this bit of history about, oh, in 1946 or something, mm. Uh, US uh, Air Force That's plane, plane had crashed yes. into, so right. I was shouting over all of this yeah, kind of, yeah. you know let's get a little break out on the last time yeah, yeah. something like this happened and then the second plane hit yeah. and then everybody everything because changed. when the first one hit presumably you were still thinking people this thought is it was some an kind accident, of an accident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah because they didn't see that um, yeah. when you saw do you remember that amazing documentary because I still every year when they put them out again I still watch them yeah. or whenever there's a big anniversary the French, the French uh, photographer, the French, the French yeah. videographer with the fire department. When they caught the first, when you see that first Just thing incredible. going in, then you know that that can't be an accident. Do you think so? I mean, even I've I mean, yes, because, well, because it does this, this sort of turn. Well, yeah, well, the it, second one really does. Yeah, the second one where the guy actually turns it in. It's just incredible. By the way, how remarkable in this day and age that that was the only and remains the only image of the uh, first plane going yeah, into the tower. I know. And just a sheer fluke that well, he was Well, if you imagine nowadays, everyone would have a phone. Yeah, there'd be so many CCTV yeah. everywhere. You would they get, just didn't yeah. have that then. No. Um, and, you know, I understand, and I've read Bush at War, um, you know, the book which, which, tell, which, which you should read. It's Bob Woodward's book, The Guy yeah. from Watergate. And he's, yeah. he's quite categorical. And The Looming Tower, which we've talked about before, quite categorical about yeah. Bush, not interested in, in Osama bin Laden, only yeah. cares about uh, going after Saddam Hussein. Yeah. 
And that is definitely That's the narrative. How it, how it went. But that doesn't mean that Tony Blair yeah. was complicit in that. No. I think I think he did that thing where he said, well, we've got to stand shoulder to shoulder with America. Of course we have. So listen, I've got a great story. Yeah, go and on. it all seeks in nicely to this. Okay. At the inquiry, the Tony Blair inquiry, Piers Morgan... Which is the Chilcot inquiry. The Chilcot inquiry. Yeah. Piers Morgan was editing the mirror right. and thought we get one of the Watergate reporters over, right? Uh-huh. So the one we landed on was Carl Bernstein. Oh, dear. Right, exactly. Oh, dear. Right. So, <laughs> so, so we, so the, 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 the note, and I did the deal, you know, come over, Carl, we fly mm. your first class, and you yeah. sit in the inquiry. I think I remember this. It was the day that Blair was giving evidence. Yeah. Right? So I got a message from Richard Wallace, who mm. was editing the Sunday Mirror at the right. time, I think, and the message just said, you got the wrong one. Woodward's the same one. Bernstein's the drunk. Yeah, he right. is. And totally. So, and so Carl Bernstein, like the great Watergate reporter, mm. arrives in the Mirror's office and he's knackered. He right. hasn't slept anything and, and it looks like he might have potatoed. So he's been on an overnight flight. flight. And he sits in the uh, Chilcot Inquiry right. and within 10 minutes falls asleep right? <laughs> and sleeps throughout the Chilcot Inquiry. Right. Comes back to the office right. and we're in a state of panic because we're like, what's he going to write? Because in those days you wanted the big read, didn't you? you oh, it was like, like mentally 2,000 yeah, yeah. words, you know, from right. Mr. Watergate. Right. And he, we lock him in Piers' office mm. and he starts, I remember the intro and it used the word magisterium twice in the intro. Magisterium? Right? Magi- oh, yeah. The magisterium of Tony right. Blair, dot, dot, dot. And he used it again in the same sentence. And so I had to write Carl Bernstein's splash yeah. copy from that, having watched the thing on the BBC <laughs> News all day. So I, so I get this byline, but by, you know, by Carl Bernstein, yeah, yeah. and it's me. And we've got away with it. It's a good piece, right. and off it goes. And at the last minute, so Bernstein mustn't know because we haven't used a single word of his piece. <laughs> and and the last minute, the chief sub comes up with a who's a massive Bernstein and Woodward fan, and comes up with a proof of page one. Right. And and I remember Des Kelly, who we're going to talk about. Yeah, jumping in and he said here you are Mr Bernstein here's your page one and, oh, yeah. Des, and Des grabbed it and stuck it in the <laughs> ball and threw it in a bin and said it's an early draft call you don't want to, yeah, see, you don't it. Want to see that and he went back to his hotel and was off the next day and to my knowledge never Probably had a clue about it, it. No. No. And I wrote Carl Bernstein to be honest story. Bernstein used to spend more time in the lanes in New York than he spent anywhere else Right, and that was the kind of upmarket sort of upper east side yeah. hangout for people yeah. who were famous yeah. um, and, and, and run by this amazing Jewish woman called Elaine who yeah. had a real soft spot for a few people, and I'll tell you, funny enough, we should segue into Elaine's because Elaine's is now shut, yeah. but it features in the Looming Tower quite a lot because it was one of those bars. It was a little bit like an upmarket vagabonds, if you remember vagabonds, yes. which was full of you know sort of high-ranking cops, uh, FBI guys. The this mafia, was Terry Venable's place, wasn't the, it? Yeah, the mafia. Um, journalists, you yeah. know, she had a real soft spot for a guy called Mickey Brennan, who was an English photographer. Yeah, I know. Um, who used to be, uh, he got photographer of the year, then lost his license for being pissed and driving. <laughs> so he moved to America. Brilliant photographer, fantastic yeah. guy, but constantly um, in fights with people because he used to get so drunk. Yeah. And there was a time in the 80s when he wasn't just drinking, he was also play, playing along with the old Colombian marching power. <laughs> and she had a, um, a round table. And actually, I went in there once with my then wife. And Michael Caine was sitting at the table. Yeah. And he looked up at her and winked at her. And it was the happiest day of her life. She's like, oh my God, Michael Caine just winked at me. Like, and I was like, well, wink back at him. You know, fucking he might invite us to the table. <laughs> Brennan was invited to this table quite a lot, right? And he told me this great story of when um, he'd, 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 normally he'd spend half the afternoon in, in Costello's and the next half of the afternoon Eamon Durant's. By the time he got to a late, he was done. Yeah. He was toasted, you know. And he's sitting there and um, he said, all I, all I could hear was this fucking guy's voice droning on and on and on about the movie business and this, that. And he said, finally, I turned around. He sounded a bit like Dudley Moore. 
He finally said to this guy, he said, look, mate, he said, I'm sick to death listening to you. What do you fucking know about the movie business anyway? And the guy goes, my name's Kirk Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so pissed that he didn't recognise him. You know, Kirk Douglas is still alive. He's yeah, about amazing. 94 Amazing. But let's talk about um, Labour Party now, because we've talked yes. about Tony Blair and the Chilcot yeah. Inquiry and all that. I mean, what is going on with Jeremy oh, Corbyn and the Labour Party? Is he actually killing it? Is he actually going to put it to death? So, do you, well, my question is, I mean, put the Labour Party to one side for a moment. Do you think he is remotely electable? No, I, I, really, I don't. really don't think but he is. But you know what's worse than that? I don't think the people around him care about that. No. I actually think he's, well, he would rather be a kind of provocateur, I think, yeah. than a leader. Yeah. And I think what's been proven about what's happened this week with Williamson coming back in yeah. and having his suspension lifted and Corbyn kind of not caring that he's got the worst approval rating of any Labour leader ever, yeah. including Michael Foote. Yeah. I don't do, think you think, he, do you think he's aware of how bad things are turning or how sour it's yeah, going? Yeah, I think so. Or he's just sort of... I, don't I mean, think, do you think these people like Seamus Mill and the people who surround him are, are kind of keeping him... Well, I've had, I've had Labour MPs who've told me, look, we know now that we are no longer the party of the working class. Yeah. Which is not. That's just tragic. And isn't it? I mean, if they're not, then who is? Well, nobody is. Well, That's in fact, true. the Brexit party actually is. Yeah. I know you won't want to hear that. No, no, no. I, people, I think you're probably right. But the people who are getting most appeal yeah. from people who don't yeah. who don't want to be in the European Union and a lot of working class constituencies that are Labour, up mm. in the northeast of England particularly, they're all voting for Brexit. Yeah. You know, and they all, are, all working class men and women, I think, yeah. are moving out. They're, they're going to lose a lot more from the Brexit party and the Tories. Well, I mean, look, I've said it all along that I think that, and this isn't meant to be condescending or imply that people didn't know what they were voting for, but... I think right now, voting for the Brexit Party in 2016, voting for referendum, it's because people were pissed off about yeah. the way things are. Right. You know, and that's Labour's place to fix it. Labour's Labour, place certainly is yeah. to poke. I mean, for, for, for the Tories to be so useless, right, which is what yeah. they are, we all agree on that, but they might get a bit of a boost with Boris or something, who knows. But for Labour to be so bad and actually going up against them, it's incredible. It's belief, it's it? incredible. I mean, I know several Labour MPs who privately are absolutely, you know, in the pits of mm. despair mm. about the Labour Party. But I think they all recognise that they've got to go through some sort of trauma. Yeah. You know, and the trauma will be a Labour defeat at the next general election. But the battle will also be between the Tom Watsons of this world, who yeah. I don't particularly have any brief for, and the Seamus Milnes and the Jeremy Corbyns yeah. and all those people who think that they are wresting control away from the centre. I think people like... It's interesting. I think people like, you know, Emily Thornbury, uh, John McDonnell even... You know, I think there are people who have a slightly longer perspective and are less extreme than I Corbyn. think McDonald's far more dangerous than Corbyn. Yes. You know, did you see his little uh, uh, sort of party piece the other day who popped into the city of London to say that anybody who uh, in the future under Labour was not a responsible climate sort of friendly company would be delisted from the stock exchange? Really? Yeah. Good luck with that. Well, good luck with it, one, yeah. but also shameless kind of appeal to the yeah. Green Brigade yeah. to go, oh, we'll be the party of the Green uh, movement, you know, which they won't be. But the Liberal Democrats are, are coming up. I know they, they feel soft and pointless and, you know, middle of the road, yeah. but they have made a, a huge strides. They have. And but, I, but we've said this before. The reason for that is because they have they have out, outwardly aligned themselves with the Remain movement. Yeah. And they're the only party that's done it. So if you really are a mad, crazy Remainer and you and you subscribe to the New European, yeah. um, you're going to vote Lib Dem, aren't you? And by the way, we invented the phrase bollocks to Brexit. Did you? And by the way, again, you, should be ashamed of yourself. you can go now to the tneshop.co.uk and buy bollocks to Brexit beach towels. I won't be doing sure. that. Yeah. I won't be doing that. 
Go and shop for your bollocks to Brexit merch. Can I not just get Brexit rules or something from a, from another you can, I'm reputable... Sure you can. Uh, just go you know, with like a, you know, like a BNP. Or, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> well, do you yeah. know, I go with something with Tommy Robinson. Somebody brought it. in a Make America Great Again hat, yeah. which I wore, and we did a little video before the show started. Yeah. And you'd be amazed at what effect that has on people. It's Keep America Great now, though, Now it? it is, yeah. Cag. Well, did you see, actually, it's an interesting cag... Um, did you see um, the wet, the absolutely? I mean, you think our debates are bad. Did you see the two lots of Democrats yes. debates? I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, lots, I thought ten one well, night, ten another night. I didn't realise there were two until yeah. they said it in the news. I mean, the, I saw the Biden one where he got taken to pieces yeah. by that by that black. Uh, yeah, she's the, she's the new senator, I think, from yeah. California. Uh, Kamala Harris. I think that's right. Like yes. that. uh, yeah. She was brilliant. I've been told she's somebody to watch. She was brilliant, I thought. Yeah. And uh, and Joe Biden, you know, the, the other thing that they said, and this applies to Creepy here, Joe Biden, you mean? Yes, he is. is he, he is no creepy. getting away from that. There is no getting away from no, it. There's no getting away. But the thing that another uh, Democrat candidate said, he said, you know, 30 years ago, you, you came to a thing that I was present at and you said, it's time to pass the torch mm. to the next generation. Right. He said, now, Joe, you know, right. pass the bloody torch. Yeah. Well, that's and, like all the people that keep rehashing that Boris Johnson quote about yeah. Gordon Brown inheriting the that's Prime Minister's right. office right. like something out of ancient Rome. It all comes back to, <laughs> comes well, back to this is it. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing that Ross got out of uh, Boris Johnson, that it's do or die. Yeah. You know, on October the 31st. So yeah. if it ain't doomed, it's yeah. dying. Then, By right? the way, I, I can't not mention this because I, I haven't heard anyone else say it. Mm. Ross Kemple got a brilliant, brilliant scoop. He did. But he tried his best to, to talk his way out I of it. I know. Boris. I mean, he kept interrupting Johnson and in his stream of well, madness. I mean, I know Ross quite well. Yeah. And he was saying that I just wanted to keep moving on. The reason yeah. for that, though, is that a lot of this stuff goes on without anybody outside of the business knowing. He was promised five minutes, right? Right. And of course, he's sitting there like we all would be. And now going, he's got the guy talking <laughs> about the talking, Let's keep going. Let's keep. I've only got yeah. five minutes, but then he managed to get ten. Yeah. You know, because once you're in the room, you're in the room. But it reminded know? me a bit of that. The, the, I don't know whether it's apocryphal or not, but the local newspaper photographer yeah. turning up to the mayor opening the new swimming pool and right. coming back without a picture because the mayor fell in the pool. Right. Like exactly. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like this. It a is story. a bit like that, but I think you're also thinking if you're him. If they come in now and stop this, I haven't asked him about you know yes, that quite. All and they're going the to say all, I've, all you've got is the bloody crap from the buses. <laughs> and there's three and a half million hits on that, or just yeah. on that clip alone yeah. on our Twitter account. No, I mean, the best we normally do, and I'm slightly annoyed because I used to hold the record, uh, yeah. was about five hundred fifty thousand. Uh, yeah. for me to tear and strip off Femi when he came oh, in really? and told him I remember that, that yeah. and told him that you you're know, brutal when you get into somebody I can be yeah yes. well most of that again the only reason I really did that was because he was insistent to our producer that he had to come into the studio yes and I don't particularly like people coming into the studio unless I invite them right but in those we were quite why early not? on why not because it's easier to be nasty to no not really it's just that it, I don't mind having people in there but I yeah. don't want it being done at their suggestion right if we decide to have somebody in which we do quite a bit that's because we want them there. Yeah. But he was like, oh, I'm in the air. He does this thing where he's like, he does it down in Westminster as well. He sort of hangs about right. and waits for somebody to have no guests show up. And he's going, oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, he's quite clever like that, you know, because you know what it's like in live well, broadcast. big moment though, didn't he? Because he could have been the candidate for... Yeah, but he pulled out. He pulled mysteriously. out under pressure from I'll tell you what else is interesting. Yeah. This was pointed out to me the other day, that the Our Future, Our Choice company, which is registered to the home address of a couple of the people that run it yes. up in the Midlands, uh, has been put into uh, liquidation. Oh, really? Yeah. So I haven't well, finished. That, that was, I suppose the new European doesn't look into that kind of thing, does it? As we a, will do tomorrow. Rule. We right. will do tomorrow. But okay. I mean, that whole um, that whole venture was just ill-conceived, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was. And the trouble is, I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a very earnest young man, and I'm sure there are things that he knows 
but he's a one-trick pony. And I mean, yeah. once you get into to proper arguments with people who know what they're arguing about, yeah. you know, and I, and I picked him off on, 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 on Bosnia, basically, because he was like, well, we've had peace for, you know, 45 yeah. years, thanks to uh, the European Union. I'm like, really? Yeah. What about Bosnia? Yeah. And he didn't have anywhere to go, yeah. you know, because not only did the European Union have a role in that, yeah. um, but it shows you that, you know, in, in, in the European continent, people can kill each other. See, they do. And I always I always say the fact that everybody says, what about Bosnia? Yeah. proves that it's the exception that yeah. proves the rule. And your mate, uh, who was very rude to me at the uh, the Groucho Club. Peter, uh, Peter Baird. Yes. Yeah, who basically told you me to fuck off. to him. Well, I was after he told me to fuck off. Well, yeah, I, think you, I think you told him to fuck off. First, I don't think so. No, I wouldn't have done that. That would have lowered the tone. <laughs> I thought it was an intellectual crowd of people. It was the first time I've sat in such a hostile room. He's such a lovely guy, Peter. Yeah, I know. And he's, and he's well travelled and well, no, no. great journalist. He doesn't like me, though, for some reason. No, but, it's just, but this is again, <laughs> this is again the part of the problem with people who are not like Alistair Campbell, who everybody hates, yeah. who can't differ from you without falling out with you. Yeah. And it's like, well, what's, what's all that about? I think the point is, like, there, there is a thing about. I mean, you've got to care, obviously, haven't you? And I care deeply about what I do. Yeah, of course. But you can't care to the point where you, you go deranged. No, you know, And there are a good. lot of deranged people. There are a lot of deranged people. Yeah. I mean, my daughter, as you know, is working out in the Middle East now. She was out with this, you know, ridiculous idea in Bahrain of, you know, Donald Trump's son-in-law is going to solve the Middle East peace problem. That's right. You know, and she was tweeting about it because that's her job. She said she was getting unbelievable amounts of crap from her friends back in America who are Democrats who yeah. think that anything to do with the Trump administration is awful. She's a journalist, you know? It's like, what do you want her to do? Not tr- not cover it? Yeah. You know, and she even she was saying that she's not particularly wedded to one side or the other, but she's there doing a job and she's like, I'm getting all this abuse from it's people. Right on there. One of them was from her cousin. Oh, man. And you just go, get over really? it. Really? You know? I mean, it was, it's like when uh, the guys on Twitter from the BBC mm. um, tweet the front page or oh that's like hilarious before. isn't it and then everyone piles in yeah it's a typical BBC yeah. bias yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah but except it goes both ways yeah. I saw one where some guy was it was a Boris Johnson page one from the Telegraph and this guy's piling in going typical of you people to support this monster <laughs> and the guy and he's always very good isn't he he's always Neil like, Henderson Neil Henderson great, I've yeah. never met him but he's I like his, his, yeah. his, his tone he's, he's very, always like smart. Um, actually we just put the papers out every night yeah. uh, thanks for uh, thanks for reading them <laughs> People are crazy. People are going nuts yeah, out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of crazy, uh, and neither one of us went to Glastonbury. I've never yeah. been to Glastonbury. I've been several times. I can't imagine anything worse. Partly now because of my age, right? Because I mean, but don't forget this. I mean, when I used to work for the Express, when it became the sort of new Labour Express, Richard Alice was the editor. I remember what. And Richard Alice was a very sort of well-read, well-educated uh, former monk, believe it or That's not. That's right, yeah. Um, who had been to Cambridge and who was a descendant of the Addis Brush family, very wealthy, yeah. very well-to-do. Almost the entire office decamped to Glastonbury, Glastonbury. the year, the, well, the first year he was there. And it was all like, oh, in which part of the place are you? And they were all like, and there was a couple of people who were, who have now since become sort of political advisors to various people. Yeah. There's a guy who now writes for the Spectator. I mean, it was a very high, it was very highbrow paper, yeah. considering what I'd been used to. You know, because yeah. I came into the Express and it was still a kind of kick the door in yeah. type. You know, mid market, sort of slightly down from the Daily Mail. Yeah. You know, shut the fuck up and we'll fucking you know write a story about yeah. you. Suddenly we were surrounded by all these kind of bookish people. Right wing Guardian all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't really right wing. In fact, I mean, you know, when Rosie Boycott came in and sacked me for not being a woman. Basically, um, you know, it didn't change that much because it had already become this kind of very liberal kind of, you know, new Labour sort of sensibility newspaper. It went, overnight, it went from Tory to Labour. Is that why she sacked you? 
She sent me for not being a woman. Did she say that? No, she didn't. But I did. I did get invited up because Lord Hollick had come in as a new owner, right? And he was that was the whole masterpiece of of, of his um, kind of ownership was to change it to New Labour, because I was actually on the back bench. No, I was on the foreign desk when the phone rang, um, and it was Clive Hollick, and uh, he said, "Oh hi, is Richard there?" And I said, "Yeah, he's on the back bench. He's just on the phone to Lord Stevens, actually, who was the outgoing chairman, right?" Yeah who was dictating to Richard Addis, a, a, a leader, on why we should support the Tory party in the upcoming election. Right. And uh, Lord Hollick, I said to Hollick, I said, so, um, I'm sorry, he's a bit busy, what can I do for you? He said, well, I just want to dictate a leader. And I went, <laughs> that's fine, okay, well, you could dictate it to me. So he dictates the leader to me, why we should support the Labour Party. <laughs> so it's literally like talking about Boris Johnson writing two it's pieces. So I went over to Richard and I said, after he'd finished, I'd finished, I said... Um, I've just had Lord Hollick on. Oh, really? What does he want? I said, well, he wants you to put this leader in the paper. And he took one look at that and one look at the Steve's one. He just scrunched the Steve's one up and put it in the bin. <laughs> I never told him. Fantastic. He didn't know until the next day that they'd switched the fucking allegiance to the paper. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they were all over Glastonbury. And I yeah. just thought then, I can't imagine anything worse than being in a massive field with a load of posh kind yeah. of, you know... Well, it's, I mean, it's not... West it, Londoners. It, it, I mean, it, it is, it is. that is the demographic. Yeah. You know, the, it does tend to be quite sort of middle class and well, quite 250 wide. 250 quid. You know, yeah. Of course, well, John is, Snow, famously, yeah. when we down, down, down there jumping up and down saying, fuck the Tories. That's right. Well, the, when I last time I went, there was lads from Liverpool coming down with uh-huh. pole vaults trying to get over the wall. I mean, <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> they were trying to pole vault over. But it's... A, it's a, it's a, it is a nice thing if you've got a nice place to stay. You know, we used to get invited because I used to do this tech column called Kelly's Eye. I remember the that. Mirror, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. And You're I, a man of many parts, you I, know, some I, of them I've forgotten about. That's right. We'll have to revisit. Well, we should, we'll talk about Kelly's Eye yeah, and another yeah. thing because yeah, there's yeah. a very funny story about that right. as well, how it came to be named. But anyway, in those days, you used to be able to accept all sorts of freebies from mm. technology companies. Oh, you yeah. can't now because right. of the Bribery Act. But Orange was sponsoring it. Okay. And th- I think that year I went, to, they also were sponsoring the Formula One. And I went to about five different Formula One races. Right. And, and Glastonbury. And we turned up to Glastonbury and I met my mate Des Kelly, who was deputy editor of the Mirror at right. the time and has since gone on to become the BT Sports right. presenter. Yes. And Des. He used to have a column on the, in the mail. But he did. Doesn't anymore. Did he still do one in the standard? I don't know, actually. No, yeah. uh, maybe he does, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, Des liked it or likes a drink don't yeah. know actually but liked a drink and yeah. made me drink seven pints of Somerset cider made right? you made me drink <laughs> so I had to write about this for GQ this week right. just a little piece yeah. so I wrote about this uh, and I said you know he made me drink seven pints of cider it was the first year Coldplay were playing and I woke up just to hear the, the last refrain of the right. encore and staggered out and had missed the whole bloody thing right and they printed it, and uh, and then I sent it to Des saying, "Hope you don't mind, mate, but I'll mention you in this." He right. said, "You must have been more pissed than you thought. It wasn't Coldplay; it was Radiohead." <laughs> <laughs> Equally, in fact, I suppose you could say that the only people slightly more depressing to listen to after a while would be Radiohead, Radiohead. Coldplay. Yeah. They're so serious. But I've so, been, so I think I've been three times to Glastonbury, and I've, I think I've seen about three bands. Then did you always stay there though, or do you go yeah. in and out? No, stayed I, in ten. Because I can't stand one. I can't stand camping. Yeah, I mean, I will not camp at all. I well, you yeah, fuck them. Well, yeah. exactly. I mean, unless I went to sort of the glamping bit and I had my, like a Winnebago. A yurt or something. Or something Did like you manage that. a yurt? A yurt I might be able to do, yeah. yeah. In yeah. fact, we've discussed possibly taking the dog into some place where we can get a yurt because there's right. lots of around there. Okay. And I might be able to do that, but my preferred way of going would always be, I, when, I, was, I, when I, was, I got sort of made yeah. to be Steve Lee White, 
um, the record producer, and he said to me, he said, oh, he said, I've only been to Glastonbury once. And I said, oh, right, when was, when was that then? And he said, oh, it was when I got asked by Bono to produce U2's live show. <laughs> and I went, well, that's not a bad story, is it? He said, yeah, he said, I was flown in uh, in a helicopter, um, and I stayed up all night with Keith Allen Good. and somebody else. And he didn't say exactly what he did while he was up all night, but yeah. I don't think it was probably legal apart from me. <laughs> and uh, he said, then they flew me back out in the helicopter as soon as I was ready to go. Perfect. And I said, that's the only way I'm ever going. Perfect. So until somebody offers to take me there in a helicopter. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know about this bribery act. I mean, you're telling me something I don't know. Because well, now so, yeah. I'm no longer a sort of newspaper person. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm sure Ofcom probably got some idea about what you can accept. Well, you can't I accept. think it's actually law now. There's, oh, a, there's a thing called the Bribery Act, 2010, right. I think. Mm. And it means that you, I think there's a threshold of 50 quid or something really? like this. That a journalist... Well, so what if I get invited to a box at the yeah. uh, at Cheltenham then? So say you get invited to a box at Cheltenham by yeah. William Hill, yeah. right, and then mention that William Hill, you'd had a great day thanks right. to William Hill. Right. Then that they'd do you under the Bradley really? Act, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school, but I mean, talk sport do these kind of deals all the time. And yeah. they, they will have, well, say, William Hill sponsoring a show. Ah, so, so was, ah, that but that's different because there's a commercial relationship. Ah, okay. right. But if you are seen to give uh, undue prominence okay. to something yeah. because they've slipped yeah, you something yeah. on the side. Right. And, Folks, I hope I'm not revealing any trade secrets here, but journalists right. used to get, never paid for a holiday, never paid for a meal. Shocking. You know, I mean, uh, when I was when I was doing the Kelly's Eye Tech thing, yeah. my, around my desk, it was like Dixon's. You know, I mean, I had more Xboxes than I knew what to but do. But, you know, it's not like that in radio, because I think because of the rule, they've always had these rules in place about right. Ofcom. And also, because it's commercial, if you're in commercial radio, the advertising department come down here like a ton of bricks. Yes. Going, what are you doing taking stuff from this company yeah. when they could be giving us money? Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, my favourite story, to top this all off as we come to the end of another episode um, is a guy called George Gordon who used to be the um, Daily Mail's New York correspondent brilliant guy he was one of the first kind of foreign correspondents that I met and he'd worked in uh, in Africa he'd, he'd, he'd followed the whole you know Rhodesian Zimbabwe transition written right. a book about it he was a really really cool guy and we used to have a, a PR from Cunard knocking about all the time <laughs> and when I say knocking about she really was knocking about <laughs> Uh, not in my case, but um, okay. she would pop in and out of the and Whenever the QE2 came into town, they'd have a sort of cruise to nowhere for all the journals. You'd get on the QE2, yeah. go out into international waters, they'd hand you a load of money, and you could gamble <laughs> with it, right? And if you want it, you could keep it. Um, yeah. And drinks and all the rest of it. Anyway, so she comes in one day and she says, I'm having a bit of trouble with the management at Cunard. And uh, George said, what's the matter? And she said, well, you know, we've, we've had a few of these cruises to nowhere. You know, we've been really nice to, to you, especially the Daily Mail. We've arranged some you know, transatlantic travel for some of your executives. And so far, there's only been three stories about the Curie 2. One was that the um, the new engines were being refitted in Germany okay. as opposed to in Britain. So it was not jobs for the boys. You know, the second one uh, was when it stalled mid-Atlantic for not very long, but you made a big thing of it. And then that one you did this morning about the, um, the, chi- the head chef having AIDS, you know. <laughs> <laughs> George, without missing a beat, just looked at her and he said, just as well you gave us the freebies there. <laughs> I just thought, well, that sums really? it all up. That's brilliant. You know, That's tremendous. Great. Good comeback. We'll be back next week. Well, just before we go, go on. Uh, I've noticed there's been some negative reviews on, on Apple, and they're all coming from fans of one particular person who you used to know. Oh, is that right? Met. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, likes well, pork, apparently. Oh, well, we better not go there. So I was just going to go, I was just going to say, if you like the show, if you've got this far into it, presumably you'd like it, get onto the iTunes store and give us a good rating give us a good write review. a comment give us a review and we'll mm. love you for it there see you, you next week see you next week
Brennan was invited to this table quite a lot, right? And he told me this great story of when um, he, 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 normally he'd spend half the afternoon in, in Costello's and the next half of the afternoon they went around. By the time he got to LA, he was done. Yeah. He was toasted, you know. And he's sitting there and um, he said, all I, all I could hear was this fucking guy's voice droning on and on and on about the movie business and this, that. And he said, finally, I turned around, he sounded a bit like Dudley Moore. He finally said to this guy, he said, look, mate, he said, I'm sick to death listening to you. What do you fucking know about the movie business anyway? And the guy goes, my name's Kirk Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so pissed that he didn't recognise him. We turned up to Glastonbury and I met my mate, Des Kelly, who was deputy editor of The Mirror at right. the time and has since gone on to become the BT Sports right. presenter. Yes. And Des, he used to have a column on the, in the mail. But he did. Anymore. Did he still do one in the standard? I don't know actually. No, no uh, maybe he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, Des liked it or likes a drink. Don't yeah. know actually. Liked a drink and yeah. made me drink seven pints of Somerset cider. Made right? you. Made me drink. <laughs> so I had to write about this for GQ this week. Right. Just a little piece. Yeah. So I wrote about this. Uh, and I said, you know, he made me drink seven pints of cider. It was the first year Coldplay were playing, and I woke up just to hear the, the last refrain of the yeah. encore and staggered out and had missed the whole bloody thing. Right. And they printed it, and uh, and then I sent it to Des saying, hope you don't mind, mate, but I'll mention you in this. He right. said, you must have been more pissed than you thought. It wasn't Coldplay, it was Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 